Well, I'm excited to tell you again, this is the year of the more because we have the God of the more. And I want to talk to you uh, about these three main limiting factors before we move into the individual areas of what God wants to do the more in, in terms of our lives. And today we're going to deal with overcoming limited thinking or limited thoughts. And I want you to uh, go with me again over to the book of Ephesians. I'm going to read this to you from verse uh, chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. And let these verses just explode on the inside of your heart this year. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, think, or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Come on, give me a good amen today. Now, I'm excited about this scripture because it identifies very early, you know, and clearly for you and for me what the key issue is. It's not about God's ability. It's not about God's will. Say that with me. It's not about God's ability. It's not about God's will. It's about the thoughts of the believer. God is not holding that on us. We limit him by how we think. The J.B. Phillips puts it this way, Now to him who by his power within us is able to do far more than we ever dare ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Say this with me. It's exceedingly, abundantly, and it's dependent on my thinking. Now, that's, that's good if you want to take that challenge to say, you know what, I'm going to make sure that from now on my words and my, my thoughts line up with what God says in His Word. But it's bad if you have a tendency to blame everybody else for your condition. In other words, somebody can think ill of you, but it can't stop you unless you allow those thoughts to begin to dominate your thinking. It's not up to them. They can stop you maybe for a little while as you maybe check and, and, and handle and navigate something that was said to you that was inappropriate or ugly or demeaning or discouraging. But at the end of the day, no one can stop you if you get a hold of this principle. Because the Bible tells us as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Look at somebody and tell him, you are what you think. I know you've been told you are what you eat, and I believe that's probably true. But you literally are what you think. So if you're not satisfied with what you are, if you'll change your thinking, you'll change your life. Let me make this as clear as I possibly can. We're not talking about just mere positive thinking. And we're not talking about mind science. Even though there is a branch of neurology dealing with the science of the mind proving out the power of human thought. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the basic assumption that you and I are bombarded every single day of the week with thoughts and intents and ideas and concepts that are not productive, that are not biblical, and somehow they get inside and they roll around and they affect all of us. If you can win the battle over this, you're going to win every battle in your life. There's nothing He can throw at you if you learn how to deal with the thought life in terms of the things of God, making sure that what you think lines up with consistently the Word of God. And I just want to tell you this, if you, know, if you don't want to engage this and just kind of float on down the stream of life, that's up to you. There are a lot of people who don't want to paddle upstream to get to victory. 
They paddle, 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 as Jerry Seville says, and they get tired, and they just put, you know, the, the oar down in the, in the canoe, or they throw it into the river, and guess what? It's not long before that current begins to turn that canoe, and they're going downstream into, into defeat like everybody else. But I'm in a church of paddlers today. Come on, look at somebody and tell them, paddle, paddle, paddle. And keep on paddling. And so, yes, you have to be disciplined. And yes, there is a labor. You enter into that faith, that place of rest by faith. And what we're doing is guarding that mind and protecting that mind. Over time, you begin to see victory. And I tell you, some of you, as the Spirit of God has, has spoken to me about this particular message in this series this year, some of you have built strongholds in your mind that go back decades you were told something unbiblical, untrue about yourself. You went through an experience and you fashioned a stronghold. It's like concrete and iron and there's a trap up here. And if we can't get rid of that, then we can't get you to a place of victory. But I want you to understand God will help you tear down every stronghold. And then you're going to build real biblical strongholds that are tighter and tougher than that. And that's what your life is going to be measured by. And that's the direction your life's going to go in. Glory to God. I want you to understand that he is more minded. He is increased minded. In Psalm 115, verse 12, the Lord hath been mindful of us. Isn't it nice to know that he's thinking about you? Isn't it nice to know that you're on his mind? Yes. He never thinks about me. God didn't care about me. That's not what the scripture says. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He'll bless us. He'll bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. He'll bless the house of Hines. And you put your name in there. That's the whole point. He'll bless the house of Aaron. He'll bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. And there's the key to love God, fear God, honor Him enough to do what He actually said in His Word. In other words, obey His Word. Then anybody is capable of having that blessing on their household. And we ought to care not just about our, our own lives right today. We should care about our kids and our grandkids. You know, I don't know that we'll see, you know, many generations come. I believe the Lord is on His way. Yes. But I can tell you this, if they're here, I want them to be more blessed than this current generation. I want them to know that He is a good God yes. and that He's a God of increase. Yes. So we have to lose this little piddly thinking, this little religious thinking, that a little dab will do you, and God doesn't care about increase. He does care about increase. Listen to what he said in Deuteronomy 1. After he had already given the grand promise to the people of God, he said to Father Abraham, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky and the sand, you know, the sea. You're going to have this multitude. But watch this. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 10, The Lord your God hath multiplied you, and behold, you are this day as the stars of heaven for multitude. In other words, God did it. He told Abraham he would do it, and then he did it. But he wasn't done there. The Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times so many more as you are and bless you as he has promised you. In other words, after all that multitude, all that growth, all that development, he wasn't satisfied. And now today, those that call Father Abraham, not only their religious father and their faith father, but their, their father but in terms of DNA, in terms of where they came from, are the millions upon millions upon millions. And they're not just in Israel, they're all over the world. Today, you might be culturally and biologically related to Abraham, sitting in the service today. His, he promised them a thousand times more, and guess what? He did it. And he's still doing it. Turn to somebody and tell them, God is increase-minded. 
In Isaiah 55, it tells you the key here as we launch into this part. In verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let the wicked man forsake his thoughts. Now, that doesn't mean that it's just that you today sitting here, you're wicked. No, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. But it's possible to be righteous and have a wicked thought. You call me wicked? No, I'm saying it's possible for you to have a wicked thought. All that means is a twisted thought, a thought that's inconsistent with Scripture. Does that make sense? You know, if I'm born again and spirit-filled and then something happens and my first instinct is to blame God because some religious person told me that that's what God does, that's a twisted thought. He's for us, he's not against us. And so the measure or the number of those twisted thoughts in your life as you sit here today are impacting whether you can have the increase and the more in your life in those areas. So God wants to untwist you. Is that okay? If he untwists you, gets rid of all the wicked thoughts in terms of things we've learned and picked up along the way. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Now, religious people would say, well, there you go. You know, we can't possibly attain to the thoughts of God. Oh, yes, we can. Because he left his thoughts for us to attain to. Now, it's up to us to actually integrate what he thinks and apply it, but it's available. Turn to somebody and say, God's thoughts are available to every believer every single day. Glory to God. Remember this from uh, Psalm 78, verse 42. This is how the people of God limited God. Again and again, they put God to the test. They vexed the Holy One of Israel. In the King James, they turned their back and uh, tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. The Amplified says that they actually distressed the Holy One of Israel. And the Good News says again and again, they put God to the test and brought pain to the Holy God of Israel. And how do they do that? They did it with limited thinking and limited you know, talk and limited actions. In other words, actions that limited God by the things that they said. If you read Psalm 78, it's just a litany of examples of times and ways the people of God limited God. And it all starts with, with how you think. That's why the apostle says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine according to His mighty power that's already at work in us. So what's he saying here? He's saying is that we all limit God by our thinking. Look at somebody and say, stinking thinking. Some of us need deliverance. And for some, it's a pretty big habit. Your worst habit is not that you smoke dope or you run around, you're flander, your multiple affairs. Your worst habit is what's going on in your mind. Well, we're going to deal with some of those strongholds today in Jesus' name. And you're walking out of here different than when you came in. You're not going to take that out there into the rest of this year. You're about to have a transformation in Jesus' mind, in Jesus' name. That's why the scripture tells us in Romans 12 to be renewed in the mind. Not to be squeezed into the world's mold. Not conformed, but be transformed by the renewal of the mind. There's no transformation that takes place until we change our thinking. So how many are willing to let go of those old dog thoughts and take on what God has for you? Because He's not holding out on you. 
Now, I just wish God gave us a different system than I got to read his word, believe his word, apply his word, and somebody gives me victory. You don't get to make the rules. Turn to somebody and smile and say, you're nice, but you're not God. (laughs) The biggest hindrance to the more in your life is the habit of unscriptural thinking. Mental strongholds that consistently block the more that God has for you and for me. We have to come to understand and accept that our own thoughts are holding us back and limiting our lives. We've got to be honest about this. Come on, shout it out. It's my thoughts that limit the more in my life. Our most dominant thoughts produce our most dominant behavior, and our most dominant behavior produce our most dominant outcomes. But long before you get to an outcome, and long before you get to a behavior, you're getting to a thought. And there's not a person in this room that can't change the way they think. It's a matter of will. It's a matter of discipline. It's a matter of right inputs. But everybody can do it. Say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I will tell you from personal experience and watching this happen to family members and watching this happen to people I've pastored for decades, they can go along just fine, excited about the things of God. And all of a sudden, here comes the devil with an input. And completely Shanghai that mind for days, days, weeks, months, who knows. A long time. And here's the the time where you could be cultivating the more, but here he cuts in on you and diverts your thinking. Now it's time to stop giving people that kind of power in your life. They didn't save you. They didn't deliver you. Amen. Do not give that kind of power. Say, well, how do I do? I'll tell you what you do. You learn to be a thought blocker. Kind of thought. Should I be blocking? (laughs) You've ever been told it's all in your mind. They were absolutely right. Turn to somebody and tell them it's all in your mind. Why? Because the mind is the gateway to the heart. It's the gateway to the spirit man. And the way these things come into the mind is by the things that you see. Say it with me. The things I see, the things I hear, and the things I say. And some of you are hearing lousy thoughts because you're saying things that are lousy. So it's what you see, it's what you hear, and it's what you say that, of course, go across that threshold of the mind and get into the spirit. Now, what you need to do is start becoming the goalie of what comes in your mind through your mouth, through your ears, and through your eyes. And stop letting everything just get into that net. You need to become the best goalie in the history of the body of Christ. Now, 1980, you remember with Jim Craig and the U.S. Olympic team took on the Soviet Union, shocked them. And a lot of good things happened in that process to get them there. The formation of the team, the training of that team was very, very brutal. I mean, Herb really put them through it. And I mean, by the time they got to the Olympics, they were, they were ready to do something that was extraordinary. But the greatest story of it all was that of Jim Craig, the goalie. Jim was a great college goalie. He was tremendous. When he was on, you couldn't touch him. But he'd been through a bad place because I believe he lost his mother, if I remember the story right. And he'd been in a bad place. He wasn't performing all that well. But he was still selected, you know, to serve on the, on the Olympic team. 
And the assistant coach was like, you're going to play him? He said, don't you realize how bad he's been playing? And he asked the assistant coach, have you ever seen him when he was on? He had that team take a test, a psychological test. Jaime, as an athlete or something else, had to take a psychology test or something. They tried to analyze you. He turned it in with nothing on it. And Herb confronts him about this, and he says, "You didn't take, you know, you didn't turn it in, whatever." He said, "Fine, you know, I guess that's, that, I guess that's your decision." And he walks away. And Craig's mentality is, he's not going to let me play unless I turn this uh, psycho, you know, this test in on, on psychology of the, of the sports player. And he goes, "No, what I want to see is in the goal. I want to see the man, the goal, who wouldn't take that test." And something happened to him during the process of that. Uh, that preceding training period, when he got into that net, taking on the Soviet Union, he slapped away puck after puck after puck after puck after puck. In fact, they won because of how he performed. No one ever stopped the Soviet Union from scoring like that. And I can't remember the exact number of shots that he blocked, but it was a record in an Olympic quarterfinal game. You know the rest of the story. <laughs> shocked the Russian coach, shocked the Soviet Union, and the U.S. won. Amen? Wasn't that a wonderful moment? Now guess what? I need you to show up in the net like Jim Craig did that day and start blocking these nonsense thoughts that are coming in. Turn to somebody and tell them, block the shot. Come on, tell them again. Say, block that shot. Say it again, block that shot. What kind of thoughts? Thoughts, first of all, that contradict the Word of God. How can you know if it contradicts the Word of God by spending time in the Word of God? If it contra contradicts the Word of God, then block that shot. Don't let it get in and don't let it roll around in your mind. Thoughts that question God's character, His will or Word, number two. If you find a thought that questions God's character, where well, you never know what God's going to do. Well, I don't think He wants to keep His Word for me. Somehow it never works out for me. He does this only for certain people. Block that shot. Turn to somebody and say, block that shot. It's important for you to understand the things you need to be blocking. Number three, thoughts that smack of ingratitude or entitlement. Look how quiet it is in this holy church today. Block that shot. Amen? No thoughts of gratitude and thanksgiving for what God has done in your life. Number four, thoughts that are negative, cynical, or self-defeating. Block that shot. A lot of us got into a, a stronghold mentally because we consistently think negatively in life. It's always the worst possible scenario. If we can dream up how bad it could be, that's what we focus on. Did you know with the same mental energy you could be focused on the good things that God's going to do? And instead of the worst case scenario, how about the best case scenario? Turn to somebody and say, block that shot. Here's a shot you need to block. Number five, thoughts that are bitter, unforgiving, or revengeful. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. Yeah, but you don't realize what you're doing to yourself. Block those shots. Bitter, unforgiving, revengeful. Bible says that vengeance is the Lord's. He will repay. Well, I don't know if he'll ever get around to this. I'm going to help him. No, you're not. You're going to mess everything up. <laughs> I shared this before, but you know, I ran into a character, you know, in the process of doing my ministry that, that right now I just like to have five minutes with him. Just five, maybe six. 
And I mean, I, I actually would, would expect to have some kind of opportunity for a conversation. And I mean, years go by and opportunities go by and it never works out. And finally, God, I said, God, why are you protecting him from me? Now, how many you know if you ask a question, you're going to get an answer? <laughs> and he said, I'm not protecting him from you. I'm protecting you from you. How many of you know that just because you have a chain doesn't mean you need to pull it? Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you need to post it. Mm -hmm. Look at somebody say, block that shot. Thoughts of entertain giving up or quitting. I'm just going to quit, bless God. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do that. Long before you ever quit, you thought about it. You meditated on it. And all you did was produce more problems for yourself. Say that with me. I cannot be defeated. And I will not quit. Come on, shout out. I cannot be defeated. And I will not quit. That needs to be your mentality. When the voice comes to tell you to quit, where's that coming from? It's not coming from your, your God. Your God assigned you to do something. You should follow through. Yeah, but it hurts. Yeah, but it's hard. Yeah, but it's tough. Yeah, but it's difficult. Yeah, do you know who I have to work with? Do you know who they have to work with? It works both ways. <laughs> Turn to somebody and tell them, block that shot. Say it with me. I'm not a quitter. One of the easiest habits to form in life is quitting. It doesn't take very much. Do it once or twice, and you'll find your life and your mindset that way the rest of your life. Thoughts that are envious or jealous don't need to be envious or jealous. Amen. You're one of God's kids. You're royalty. You have access to him. You can go boldly to the throne of grace. You don't need to focus on somebody else's relationships or what somebody else has. I can't tell you how many Christians do it along just fine, perfectly, growing in God, and then they look at what somebody else has, and they allow that to get into their mind, and it stops them dead cold. I'm telling you, I've seen people called into the ministry, but because somebody else they thought was blessed more than them, they got offended over it. Can I tell you something? You get offended over a blessing somebody else has, you won't ever have that blessing. You should thank God that God has blessed them. You should be happy for your brother or sister. They have a great marriage, celebrate it. Well, I should have a better marriage than that. Listen to yourself, and you know exactly why you don't have a better marriage than that. Be happy and celebratory for what your brothers and sisters are. They're your, they're your brothers and sisters. Yeah, but I know what a sibling rivalry is, too. That's carnal. That's worldly. I don't care if you don't get along with your natural brothers and sisters. That's not the point. In Christ, you should thank God for what God is doing. If somebody is blessed, it shows you the blessing is working. You should be thrilled. But do not adopt the mindset there's this big, long line waiting for God to move. No, the line around God is one deep. It's not God's will. It's not his power. Somebody else being blessed does not stop you from being blessed. This is the kind of mental nonsense we got to get rid of. And your response should not be when you see somebody blessed. Oh, dear God, I guess I'll tell them congratulations. But on the inside...
Well, I guess for you, fake it till you make it. But you should authentically be able to say, I am so thrilled for you. Look what God has done for you. It looked like you weren't going to make it, but God brought you through. Amen. My brother James has gone through several periods in his life where um, changes in economy and circumstances, he's lost jobs. And um, he recently was out of job again. My mom told me about that. And uh, I just, you see, sitting right here, I just looked at her and said, you know what? I know my brother. You know your son. He'll bounce back. It wasn't 24 hours he had a job already. That's your God. Well, I need a job. He shouldn't get the job. Give me the job. Get that nonsense out of your head. Amen. There's a job for you. There's a place for you. Turn to somebody and say, block that envy. Block that jealousy. Thoughts that are arrogant, haughty, or prideful. Do you know that God opposes the proud? Stay humble. Good things in your life, when he gives you the more, he's the one that did it. Oh, these hands have done this. Watch yourself. You may work hard and that's required. That's part of it. But the blessing is something you can't see. He's the one that gave you the breath and the strength and the power and the opportunity and the open doors. He's the one that puts the cellar together with a bar. He's the one that does all this. You thank him. Thoughts that are arrogant, haughty, or prideful. Block those things. Thoughts that are religious and seem right, but rob the word of its power. Jesus told the Pharisees that. Your traditions make the word of God of none effect. And there are lots of religious traditions out there that rob us. Turn to somebody and say, block that shot. All Jesus was trying to do was minister healing to a little woman who had been suffered with back problems for 18 years and couldn't be healed. It just happened to be the Sabbath. And so the Lord, having compassion on her, caused her to be healed, and they got offended. You can always tell religion because it gets so easily offended and put out and puffy. Look at somebody and say, don't be puffy. And Jesus, of course, perceiving the whole situation, he says, you know, there's not a one of you on the Sabbath that does not untie his animal and lead it to water. Now, this is for somebody today. You receive this in Jesus' name. Say, I am a receiver. Come on, say it boldly. I am a receiver in Jesus' name. He said, what doth hinder this woman? daughter of Abraham from being healed on this day. Sabbath is about restoration. If they had any revelation, they would understand that. And I want you to understand today, you don't need to be concerned about what the religious folks say, what the world says. You too are daughters and sons of Abraham. And it is right for you to be healed. But religion will tell you goofy things. you got to block those shots. Amen. I want to spend a little time today just giving you some of these common misbeliefs, limit behaviors, uh, limit uh, you know believers in terms of their receiving from God and receiving the more in particular. And then I want you just to 
to ask the Lord honestly, are these strongholds still in my life? Turn to somebody and say, block that shot. Why did USA win that match? A goalie that wouldn't let anything in the net. How are you going to be a champion this year? Don't let anything in the net of your mind that doesn't belong there. Here's the first misbelief that limits us. People will say the gospel is not supposed to be man-centered. That's religion. I want you to understand before Jesus came down here as a babe, grew up, ministered, sacrifices, gave his life for you and for me, hung on the cross, died, was crucified, buried, raised from the dead and ascended on high. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost were doing just fine without us. When the angels came and proclaimed in Luke chapter 2, the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The gospel is completely man-centered. It's all about restoring man. It is the gospel is people-centered, man-centered, which leads you to a life that is God-centered, but it starts with receiving what God has for you as a human being. John 10, Jesus said this, I've come that they might have life. Who's the they? People. I came that people might have life and life to the full. In Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19, he's quoting Isaiah 61, and he's talking about preaching the gospel to the what? The good news to the poor. People. The men that are in the healing of the broken heart, the opening up of eyes of blind people, Lord, those that are, that are bound, those that are distant, those that are discouraged. People. He did not come for the planet. Most of you read the Bible, you know this planet doesn't have a great future. Does that make sense? And make a difference what people try to do. Save the whales, save the planet. Guess what? It's people that matter. For God so loved the world, not the globe. Just for the record, the earth is not flat. The things that people will believe today. <laughs> but he didn't come for the globe. He didn't come for the grass. He didn't come for the mountains. Although all this will too have restoration. The earth right now, the creation cries out for that restoration. But guess who got it? You're sitting here today, born again, forgiven, redeemed, on fire for God, on your way to heaven. He came for you. The gospel is completely man-centered and you shouldn't apologize for that and you shouldn't feel bad about that because if it wasn't that way, you and I would be sitting here today in our sin and destruction. Thank God. But you'll hear religion say that a thousand times. This American gospel. It's not an American gospel. Some people need to go back to their seventh grade geography class. None of this came from the West. It all came from the ancient Near East. The promises did not come from America. The promises of God wanting to increase you didn't come from America. I will say this, by God's sovereignty, He has given a lot of Americans revelation on this. 
And I recommend you not let the devil talk you out of what God worked so hard to give you. Say that over there is wisdom and revelation and a spirit of increase on my life right now. Can you receive it? It's not the angels that got the good news. It's not the animals that got the good news. It's not the planets that got the good news. It's people. That's how much he loves you. Amen. The implication of this false teaching that the gospel is not man-centered, the implication is that if you believe God for anything, you're somehow selfish. And all you should think about is God. Well, if all you're going to think about is God, then make sure you apply God's opinion on the matter. He came to seek and to save people that were lost. Number two, God only cares about spiritual matters. We're redeemed and going to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? No, he cares about all of you. He created you body, soul, and spirit. Therefore, you're redeemed body, soul, and spirit. He cares about all of you. So if I'm asking God for something spiritual, that's good. If you're asking for something material, that's fine too. It's great to grow in the spirit of wisdom and revelation and your intimacy with Christ. Guess what? You can also grow in terms of natural things because he cares about it all. Amen. Number three, God has favorites and I'm not one of them. (laughs) It's a life in the pit of hell. And every single day of your life, you should say, I'm God's favorite. Shout out, I am God's favorite. He favors all of us covenant people. God didn't tell you he favors other people, but he does favor faith. He said, I walk by faith and not by sight. He doesn't have favorites. What does he have? He has people who respond to him in faith and opens up the door for his activity, but he loves you. Turn somebody and smile and say, congratulations, nice to meet you. I know you're God's favorite. Amen. You are God's favorite. Number four, the gospel is only about sin and forgiveness. The concept theologically that Reformists and Calvinists teach is that uh, there is a, such a thing called as limited atonement, and it really has two manifestations. But the first uh, manifestation, and I don't call it Reformed theology anymore, I call it deformed theology is what I call it. But this idea that God only sent his son to redeem certain people on the earth is blasphemous and worthy of damnation in itself. Because the Bible doesn't say, whosoever will, that I plan to atone. He's not willing that any should perish. Do you see this? Romans, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So they have this mindset that only certain people can even be saved on the planet. And they also have this idea that God doesn't care about anything but the spiritual dynamic. I'm going to remind you today and keep on saying it and saying it and saying it until this kind of thought does get into your brain permanently. He came to save you, deliver you, heal you, prosper, guide you, direct you. He cares about it all. The same blood that purchased your forgiveness has purposed, has, has purchased your deliverance and your healing. And don't let some carnal thinking person talk you out of it. 
And deep in some, some recesses of some Christian minds is this idea that God just doesn't care about stuff like that. You know, I may have to go to, to a doctor and it, it may just take me out. God didn't care about stuff like that. He cares about that kind of thing. He sent forth his word and he healed you. Amen. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He carried your infirmities and bore his sicknesses and by his stripes ye were healed. But if you think, if you let, you don't block the thoughts that God doesn't heal, God doesn't care, God's not into that healing business, I tell you what, it can cause you to die young. Say it with me, with long life will I be satisfied and then he'll show me his salvation. There is no way to know that every person sitting here today or watched online actually has the same thought process about the promises of God to heal. There's no way. There's, we're just too diverse. All I'm saying is don't let a rogue thought or misbelief stop God from doing something in your life. Because the scriptural truth of according to your faith be it unto you still applies to you. And if all you want to exercise your faith for is being forgiven, that's your choice. But you're limiting him. Can God still heal? You better believe God can. Can God still bless you? Can God still prosper you? That's not the issue. The issue is what you have built in your mind as a fortress and a stronghold. Aren't you glad his atonement covers it all? Come on, shout it out. It covers my forgiveness, my healing, my deliverance, my provision. covers it all. It includes all. Number five, God just can't forgive me for that. I'm disqualified. No, there's only one thing he can't forgive, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's it. That's what I've done. I must have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Let me help you out here. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, which means to attribute to the devil the works of the Holy Spirit, and these crackpots out there that are saying things like, you know, there's no such thing as tongues, people make that up, or it's inspired by the devil, be careful. Your lack of understanding can lead you into the door of blasphemy. But let me help you out here because when I was a baby Christian, everybody say baby Christian, I was convinced that I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ignorance plus ignorance equals ignorance squared. <laughs> and that's where I was. When Jerry Savelle first got born again, Carolyn gave him some ideas about what to read in the Bible. And he got so excited and he came in there and he, you know, he talked about how he's reading stuff. He got so excited one time he came into the room and said, look, I found out that there's promises for divers. Divers tongues. And <laughs> divers promises. And she's like, um, no, uh, honey, diverse. <laughs> Not divers. <laughs> yeah, we're all laughing, but we've all been there. Y'all get so excited when you're a baby Christian, you go show it to a Christian, they did their best to say, that's great. You idiot, that's great. That's wonderful, praise God. Oh, Jesus, help them. Or as they say in the South, Mike, bless their hearts, amen. <laughs> or as they say, bless their hearts. Say it again, say, bless their hearts. Diverse. And, um, you know, I, I got a hold of some really good counsel, and he said, look, uh, 
You can always tell uh, that you've not blasphemed the Holy Spirit because you still have a desire for God. So the last place you'd want to be if you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit is this place. Not only around the Word Church, Holy Ghost Church, where the gifts are in operation, if you blaspheme, when that happens, you your heart becomes as hard as a rock and at that point in time, unable to repent. So watch this. I don't expect everybody to always on the same page at the same time understand the things of the Spirit, but keep your mouth shut about the manifestations of the Spirit of God. If you don't understand, your best practice is what? Say nothing until you have understanding and revelation from God. I mean, you, it's clear in Scripture that God forgives blasphemy against the Father. He even forgives blasphemy against the Son. But for Him to send His Spirit and give us life and give us revelation and to blaspheme Him by saying what He does, He does by the devil, it's over the top for some reason. And it's the only one. So you're sitting here today saying, I can't be forgiven. I'm disqualified. The only thing that would disqualify you is if you had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And how many are here? (laughs) Raise your hand if you're here. (laughs) Are you sure you're here? Well, congratulations. I'm pretty sure you haven't blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And second of all, you're not disqualified. That's a lie from the pit of hell to say God can't use you. God can't increase you. God can't do more in your life. I said it's a lie from the pit of hell. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask, think, or imagine according to the power of God. It's already at work within you. Said, I am forgiven. I am qualified. He uses that one to keep a lot of good people in the box. I'll never do anything. I'll never go anywhere. I'll never have anything because I'm disqualified. No, you are qualified. God has qualified you because of what he did with his blood. But if you believe you're disqualified, then you might as well be. But you're not. Turn to somebody and say, block that shot. And you know something? Um, As much as Jimmy loves Wilma, Jimmy can't block the shots for Wilma. Amen. As much as Heather loves David, she can't block the shots for him. As a pastor, as much as I love you, I can't block the shots. Dear God, if I could go in there and block them, I would block them. (laughs) Because oftentimes when you don't block them, they become issues. (laughs) What am I saying? I'm asking y'all to block the shots to make my job easier. Would you do that? Amen. Would you do that? Block the shot. Block the shot. Be kind to your pastor today. Block the shot. Now there's a t-shirt idea. Amen. Amen. Somebody tempts you to sin, block the shot. Why'd you block the shot? So the pastor wouldn't have to deal with this mess. That's why. (laughs) That's just the, the whole principle is nobody can do this except you. Come on, shout it out. Block that shot. Come on, say it again. Block that shot. Next misbelief. Not everyone, not everyone can do something great for God. You know what? Every child of God is great in his eyes. And every one of them who does his will 
is great. How many of you really want to do the will of God in your life? That's what makes you great in the kingdom of God. Not what somebody else is doing, comparing yourself to somebody else, but doing the will of God in the earth is the greatest success you'll ever have. Amen. Number seven, I'm too broken for God to ever use me. Well, it's okay. He's a master at healing the broken. Raise your hand if you ever really knew and understood that you have been broken. But how many know he's also a healer? You know, when you're in the ministry, you see a lot of people get uh, road hard. Amen. Beat up, run over. Put out the pasture by people. Rejected and betrayed and abused. But you need to be just like the Apostle Paul. None of these things move me. Come on, say it. I'm not too broken. broken. You know what you do? You let him heal you. And then you take your knowledge of that brokenness and you minister to somebody else with it. You draw on every experience you have to help somebody else go through that same situation. Amen. Number eight, everyone can't be blessed. <laughs> well, guess what? Not only can you, you already are. Too late. Turn somebody in time. Block that shot. Oh, yes. Just like forgiveness is for whosoever will. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is for whosoever will. Amen. Being used for God is for whosoever will. The blessings for whosoever will. Raise your hand if you know for sure, for sure, for sure that you repented of your sin and gave your life to Christ. And you're not perfect, but you're on your way to heaven. You know, you have confidence. Well, what, something happened when you got born again. The blessing was restored to your life. You're already blessed. The devil showed up on the doorstep of your mind too late. Now, we have to renew your mind to the fact that you're blessed. You're empowered to prosper, to succeed, to increase, to excel, to go to the highest level, to bear the most fruit. You're already blessed. Come on, shout it out. I I am blessed. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. You would be amazed how many Christians deep down in their hearts think they're cursed. This doesn't work out, and that doesn't work out. Yeah, you believe in the curse, but you won't believe in the blessing. I'm going to believe in the blessing. I said you're blessed already. The issue isn't, is it real? It's real. The issue is what's going on up here. You, you allow the wrong things and you block the right things. Amen. You got to get your mind straightened out. My other brother, Gary, received an award for playing football. It's an award of great esteem in youth football. Only one person got it that whole year. It was called the Bonehead Award. (laughs) Because he uh, intercepted a pass and got hit, and instead of running to the proper end zone, he ran to the end zone where they were defending. And when he got there, he was all smiles. I just did something big until somebody tackled him and they got a safety on the ball back. His coach probably gave him the bonehead award. 
It's time to, uh, you know, turn around and run in the right direction. Look at somebody say, you don't want that bonehead award. <laughs> I can still see in my mind what it looks like to this day. You say, what, what do they do? Somebody went into their wood shop and crafted it on purpose. Somebody had to spend hours to make this thing to make their point. Say, I can't believe somebody would do that in youth sports. Why? They should give all the kids a ribbon and an award and a medal. They're all participants. There should be no losers. Now look what you've produced. In the world there are winners and there are losers. And then there are people like you, blessed of God most high. Amen. Said, I'm blessed. Can't be cursed. I've been redeemed from the curse. So what do I have to do? I have to start thinking blessed. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, block the curse and let in the blessing. And number nine, God put this limitation on me and allowed it to teach me a lesson. Now, let's all say it together. The good things come from God. The bad things are a result of sin and are the work of the destroyer. The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and what? Life more abundantly. <laughs> um, heaven's not so bankrupt that God needs the tools of the devil to teach you something. He teaches with his word. In fact, you and I, to produce adverse circumstances, all we have to do is live in this world. That's why the redemption is so important. That's why knowing how to trust God and believe God is so important. Because just living here is dangerous. And now you have an enemy who looks for any loophole he can find. That's why you have to slam the door of your mind on him and open it up to the promises of God. Are you here today? God is for you. The people who just read the Gospels, you won't find one time where Jesus, who is God, put sickness on one individual. Not once. Now, that's a terrible thing to build a doctrine from complete silence in Scripture. But you will find case after case after case after case where your Savior healed and delivered people. And Jesus was bold to say, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So whose heart is it to heal? The Father's heart. Who didn't put anything on somebody throughout that New Testament period when Jesus ministered? Huh? The Father. Who anointed Jesus, Acts 10, 38, with the Holy Ghost, and how Jesus went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God the Father was with him. Block that shot. Why is this one so important? Because you're never going to be able to believe for victory in an area that you think God caused. God's not the one that made you sick. God's not the one that made you broke. God's not the one that made you depressed. But he has a remedy for it if you begin to let him renew your mind. Amen. I'm going to say it boldly today. This is, this is your last discouraged day. This is your last depressed day in Jesus' name. You are kicking that out. You are blocking that out. There are cases where people are biologically, clinically depressed. You know, I didn't... Um, 
I wasn't born last night under a rock. I understand these dynamics better than, than most do. But I will tell you that most depression in the body of Christ is self-inflicted. You say, how does that work? They don't block a shot. And it gets in there and they dwell on it and they dwell on it and they dwell on it and they dwell on it. And the production of that causes them to fall, you know, to be crestfallen and to be discouraged and to be depressed. And for those people, I'm not talking about folks with a real issue here. For those people, all they have to do is just change the program in here. And the result will be deliverance. That's how powerful the Word of God is. Turn to somebody and say, this is your last day. Being discouraged. Being depressed. God has called you to victory. Say, he's called me to victory. All I got to do is take off the limitations of my thinking. Now, in the next session that we're together... And Sunday morning, I'm going to show you precisely how to tear down those old strongholds and replace them with strongholds that will produce the kind of more that you're believing God for this year. But I want to close with this. A few years ago, uh, we were broadcasting on uh, several over-the-air stations, uh, including affiliates and uh, WPSD, uh, one out of Nashville, WBBJ out of Jackson, Tennessee. And, and basically that uh, they would be sent the material and you'd pay for certain time slots. And uh, we would have our show, you know, our program, which was nothing more than basically a, a teaching from Sunday morning primarily, you know, 23, 24 minutes of teaching. And um, so, you know, how many know that uh, television stations generally don't want to give you airtime that you didn't buy? But in this particular situation, I got a letter from a young man, and this is what he said. He said, on such and such a day and such and such a night, I was fashioning a noose in jail in Memphis, Tennessee. He goes, things for me went bad to worse. And he's still a young man, but completely depressed and discouraged. And he said, I'm looking at decades, looking at decades of being in jail. So he's fashioning a noose. About 2 o'clock in the morning, everybody else is asleep, and uh, he has somebody on the, on the bottom rung there that's asleep, and uh, suddenly he hears a voice telling him, don't do that. And he was so taken back by, by hearing that, he literally looked down at the bunk to see if this guy was talking to him, or did a guard come by, or somebody come by and in concern say, don't do that, but there was absolutely nobody there. Then that same voice told him to turn on the television, which he did. And do you know that there was no psychic 1-800 show on there? And there was no infomercial. It slices, it dices, it cuts, it grates. That wasn't on there. At that time slot, the manager decided to pull the existing program and put one of our programs on the air at 2 o'clock in the morning that we didn't pay for. Later on, we found out he kind of enjoyed what was going on and, and just wanted to put it out there, and he has the decision to do it. So he changed the program, and that night, he's watching this, and that night, instead of killing himself, he knelt down and gave his life to Jesus Christ. He's alive and well today and serving God because somebody changed the program. I think we can give the Lord greater praise than that because one day 
We may see the harvest from that. Amen. And I bring that up because you never know for sure what's happening through your life and through your example and who you're touching. You know, your mind being renewed and being set on the things of God. Now, he had the power to change what was on the air out of Jackson going to Memphis into a jail in the middle of the night. That's your God I'm talking about. And if he can do it for that person, he can do it for you. But you're going to have to make up your mind that I'm going to start blocking things that don't belong there and allowing things that do belong there. That just sounds like too much work. Too much work is being defeated and busted and sick and disgusted. That's not work. Have you been to a doctor lately and how many hours you might sit there? Huh? Only to find out the doctor won't see you? You got stuck with a nurse that day? Physicians, assistant, everybody say, God bless them. If you haven't noticed, they're being overrun all over the country. In fact, give all the health professionals a hand clap. They do amazing things. It's not a difficult thing to be in a, in a situation where everything's going wrong. That's not taking some discipline. Sure it is. You're the goalie of your own mind. You make up your mind to block those shots and don't let them in because that's how the strongholds happen first in Jesus' name. Amen? Say it, I'm tearing down strongholds and I'm building new ones. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What am I doing? I'm forsaking my thoughts and I'm taking on the thoughts of God and that changes everything. Amen. Can you receive that today? Come on, stand and give him a hand clap and bless him today.